Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. It's time for the Round Table with Round Daddy. Hey, Round Daddy. The Round Table with Round Daddy. Me, James Strebel, Big Daddy. With your host, James Strebel. Hey, Round Daddy, James Strebel. Gotcha. On ESPN 680 and 105.7. Well, Emily, well, thank you. Thank you, you Emily. You got, him, you got a little tongue-tied today yeah. on a Friday. How yeah. about that? <laughs> I would have expected that. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be an awkward transition. Are you ready for this transition? Are you ready for this hang call? Hang on, hang on. I know <laughs> what's... I, 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 I. <laughs> <laughs> this was not playing this way, by the way. This was... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm crying because that's too funny. Yeah. Oh. Oh man. Here we go. Kellen Streble yes! <laughs> An all-time great moment on the take. That's the only way that we could have sent Andy Sweeney up to Indianapolis with an Emily call followed by, followed by a Kellen Strebel call. So just too funny. Hey, thank you to Matzah Pie for dropping off some epic pizzas of kacha bread for lunch today. Head out to Matzah Pie's Anchorage location for a unique dining experience. Also visit the Douglas Loop and Butchertown locations. Stop in and pick up some 1020 craft brews and discover the delicious handmade brick oven pizza. Thank you, Matzah Pie. 437 UPS Jobs text line. Good job by the text line today. Appreciate that. Anna Tarullo with me, James Black. And here we have our good friend Kendrick Haskins from Wave 3. Kendrick, my friend, how are you doing today on this gloomy, cloudy Wednesday? But hey, we're alive. We're having fun. We're talking sports. Uh, who has it better than us? Like Jim Harbaugh says, right, Kendrick? No! <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking about the weather. It's just Groundhog Day. It's the same thing every day. <laughs> True. Oh, it's terrible. Cloudy and raining. Now, Mark Mark Weinberg, uh, one of one of the, you know a, a rival meteorologist, cool. he did say today, Kendrick, that he's got the next four out of the next seven days will have sunshine. So if 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 he if he's fibbing to us or it's wrong, then we'll crush him on behalf of Wave Three. Don't worry, we'll go after him. <laughs> you know their job is hard because you know essentially they're predicting the future. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. truly <laughs> great point. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, it only takes like the wind to shift like a matter of <laughs> degrees for it to completely change the weather pattern and we get all mad at them. <laughs> exactly. It's their fault. They're doing a public right. survey. <laughs> right. Screw right. you. But it's fun because they get mad when when you get mad at them. So that makes it fun. <laughs> oh, they do. Now, who like like who's getting mad with like, do you, have you ever seen that in person? Only time I've seen Hornet mad was the, remember that year when they 
they predicted rain on Derby, but it was it was supposed to just be passing, and then like the front just stalled out over Louisville. Yes. and rained all day long. <laughs> yes, uh, that's the only time I've seen Kevin frustrated because everybody, of course, was blaming him. Right, it's Kevin Harnett's fault. <laughs> We're a Kevin Harnett household. Just so, just so you know, we, we, we like we like his calm, cool, collected demeanor. That's what we like about because t- he is on TV. Like even if the weather's bad, like he's still calm. Yeah, and he's not like oh my gosh, uh, like other people yeah. get other people. Yeah. yeah. Plus, he's a total goofball. You should have seen us in our derby planning meeting today. Oh, oh wow. Sir, I love weather. Meteorologists are my favorite people I have ever worked with, ever. <laughs> love them. sitting there just making jokes and look at each other and start laughing. Nobody else is <laughs> It's a weather joke. Yeah, weather joke. Hey, it's about cumulus clouds. <laughs> yeah, you got that. So, you're already planning for Derby 150. I know you can't give us any insight. I'm sure you'd love us a surprise. But, uh, I mean, how how long are these planning meetings going to go, uh, Kendrick? We're getting ready for, you know, a huge Derby 150. Uh, hopefully, there'll be good weather there. But I'm sure you guys are already planning boots on the ground, getting ready to go out there. Oh yeah, we get we're getting a huge jump on 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 it, especially since it's one fifty. I mean, we're even ahead of Churchill Downs as far as the TV side of it, as far as uh, what we're planning to do and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it's good to get out ahead of it. Um, the good thing for us in sports is like it doesn't really change all that much for us leading up to it. Mm. It's it's you know a bunch of preview stories and doing stories on the trainers and stuff once they get here. But for like everyone else, it's like. With this angle, how can we attack it in a different way? We've got some uh, good ideas up our sleeves right now. So, yeah, it should be, be a fun time on Open Derby. Oh, I can't wait. This is going to be a, a big derby. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, make my way out there this year. I might be in Vegas, but if I'm not in Vegas, I'll be out there for sure for Derby oh. 150. So, absolutely. All right. I think Kendrick. I'd rather be in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I know you would be because that means you wouldn't be working. <laughs> you guys are not like. working 48 hours in a row. <laughs> right. The new, news, news folks are like uh, police and fire and military and ambulance. When it comes to derby time, it's all hands on deck. There's no off time. No one can request off. You have to be at work. All you right. guys are in the same boat. Absolutely. Kendrick has this with us. Uh, wave three. So check him out there. Now, Kendrick, uh, we were talking about Louisville uh, and, you know, losing to Clemson last night. I mean, no news there. Uh, but just a, a frustrating point. And, and Anna made a good point earlier. And I wanted to to you know reiterate that to you because I want your thoughts on it. Um, you know, uh, the same thing. It's ground, uh, you mentioned Groundhog Day. Louisville keeps it close early. They, you know, uh, the other team goes on a big run. They're down by 20 points or 12 points or however much it is. Then they get down more at the beginning of the second half. And all of a sudden, the light clicks on and they fight and they make it close and they don't lose, you know, hysterically, like, uh, embarrassingly bad. And, and Anna brought a right. point to the table. Yeah. Go ahead, Anna. Yeah, I was just, you know, I feel like you're dealing with college athletes here. You know, the, the, they're kind of, the equilibrium is kind of the same, right? You're competitive. How much do you think it's just the margin of coaching that goes into, so obviously they start the game kind of an equal playing field, I guess is my point. And then the kind of the breakdown in coaching, I feel like kind of appears. How much do you think that that margin of coaching plays into um, just the separation, the differential that we see as the game goes on? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense, and I think there is something to that because it's almost predictable that around the 10-minute mark in the first half, L is just going to look like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And, it, and it's happened game in and game out. Now, we'll give them a, somewhat an excuse for last night when you consider that Tyler Johnson springs his ankle in the warm-ups before the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, Huntley Hatfield has two fouls. 
Uh, Manuel Okorafor has three fouls. He's down to Caleb Glenn playing the five, and he's like six four. He played all the bigs. <laughs> he fouls out, understandably so. Like you said, he's playing right. all those guys. Right, he fouls out, in which every Caleb's a fouling machine right now, anyway. Yeah, and so you got factor that in. Then Sky Clark, he got uh, a knee to the thigh. You could tell he wasn't right at the end of the first half. Doesn't play in the second half. Mm-hmm. So they're literally out there with zero point guard. Bigs all in foul trouble that whole <laughs> the whole second half. So I, so I give them a little bit of a pass on that, but the thing uh, adverse to that is, but they've done it was still the same pattern that we've seen when they've been mm-hmm. for the most part healthy. Mm-hmm. There's just that stretch where they drink just snowball, and it's like they can't get out of their way and they can't figure out how to stop to keep a, a six old run from becoming twelve fourteen old run. Good point. Yeah, yeah. It's and again, I said it's like during the during the game, you can see the other coach, you know, making adjustments and doing things and switching things up. And Kenny Payne, you know, he doesn't do that. Yeah, especially you made a great point when it comes at the ten minute mark. I mean, you've already had what two media timeouts, so you've yeah. had time to implement changes there. No matter how many timeouts whoever has called, mm-hmm. so that just kind of uh, cemented my point for me. But great point that it's about ten minutes. It's about yeah. halfway through the first uh, half. Yeah, it was like that against Kentucky. Yeah, they was right there with Kentucky. They were. They were ten minutes of the game. I mean, it's been like that for so many games. The big run comes midway through the first half and into the second half, and then when the adrenaline wears off, right? And but then they'll come back somehow, and it could be a variety of things. Of they're. They don't quit. I will give them that because last year, a lot of these games, they would have lost by thirty-five. Right, because they didn't yeah. give up. Yeah, these guys, at least, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're they're at least they're doing the bare minimum of fighting and, and trying hard in the game. And then I, I do some of it is I think you know you like Anna said these are college kids and college kids with a big lead they let the foot off the gas and so U of L gets back in that way too. That's part of it too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. For last night, though, I give them the credit of they fought because they were as short-handed as short-handed gets last night with zero point yeah. guard and basically no no uh, four or fives. Trey White has the game of his life. He's I'm sure great. He loved being able to. Be, he, I mean, he did everything. I'm sure he loved every minute of that. He has the eternal green light, <laughs> and he and, and he was able to make make things happen. So I give him credit for last night, but at the same time, it's like okay, but we've seen this. Kendrick Haskins is with us. Well, Kendrick Haskins with us. Wave three, and then another part that's frustrating is you know we we're talking about this too earlier, Kendrick. You know, Trey White has that awesome game. He had 29 14. You know, Mike James has had games like that in the past. Brandon Huntley Hatfield has had games like that in the past. Sky Clark has had games like that. But it's never two of those guys or three of those guys. Right. It's always just like right. one, one of them, and it's just it, it's so frustrating because you know if 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 Mike James gets fifteen points last night, he only had eight. He gets fifteen points last night, they might win the game. Brandon Huntley had, I think he had like seven points. If he has his normal kind of like we come to expect double double, he has you know fifteen and, and twelve or fifteen and thirteen or whatever, or even you know twenty and ten. You know maybe they win the game, but it's always just one guy. It's always Mike James. Or it's uh, uh, Trey White, or it's Brandon Huntley Hatfield. It's never Mike James and Brandon Huntley Hatfield and Trey White. Right. You never see like three or four guys having 15 plus points in the game. I I do think last night with the foul troubles, like. The officials called because even Clemson had some bad calls. The officials called the game extremely tight, they did. especially in the first half. But then Clemson had some turnovers. It was like one point 
when the game was close, the guy double triples at midcourt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen that. <laughs> or the or the no look behind the back pass at, at, at half court where it's like an over and back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like that. <laughs> Clemson did everything they could to give U of L the game. They did. U of L just kind of ran out of ran out of gas at the end. But Clemson was not exactly looking like a tournament team last night, like they looked most of the season. No, they, they they've definitely fallen behind the eight ball here. Now four and five uh, in the conference. Kendrick has us with us. Wave three dot com. Uh, Kentucky hosts Florida tonight at uh, I think it's seven thirty p.m. I believe seven thirty eight p.m. somewhere around there. Eight, eight, um, a great eight o'clock game. We eight love o'clock. Us so much. Yes, I know. I know how much you love those eight o'clock, nine o'clock games. You just you need those. You need more of those in your life. Uh, yeah. What, what did you make of Kentucky's win on the road at Arkansas over the weekend? Arkansas, you know, they came out and punched Kentucky in the mouth early on. Took a double digit lead. Kind of remnants of what we saw at South Carolina. And you know, honestly, Kendrick, uh, we were worried that it was going to be another fold game for Kentucky, but they battled back. Uh, they ended up winning the game. Uh, Reed Shepard becomes the primary ball handler in the second half, and then Uganan Yenso plays 25 minutes, gets a bunch of blocks, uh, becomes a, a, a game changer on defense. Uh, what do you think Cal found out about his team on Saturday at Arkansas? I think he found out that they learned from that South Carolina loss mm-hmm. and that Mississippi State. They um, they just they they grinded it out, and we just haven't seen them have to do that. And they did. I mean, Onyenzo, I think he was the brightest spot of the game. I know Bree Shepard came through in the second half, but the play of Onyenzo, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I agree. I, I, I think he you could make the case that he was a player of the game for that game. But that, I, yeah, I think you saw that they learned, and you know, they they manned up for lack of a better term because Arkansas was physical with them again. Mm-hmm. Arkansas is a physical team. And they manned up from those last couple of road games, and they went out there and won a tough game because it was another one of those situations because Arkansas is not having a good season. No. And then all, all of a sudden they look like Nolan Richardson's in the Arkansas team. <laughs> 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 but, but they uh, – but then, then they return to being Arkansas. But, but uh, you give Kentucky credit because they manned up in that game and they made the plays down the stretch. Oh, yeah. When L. Ellis hit that three to start the game, I was like, he's going to go off for like 40. And <laughs> I did because he made that three. He started yelling. I'm like, oh, bleep. I'm like, they're, they're in trouble. Up. He's going to go. He's going to have himself a game. But they, they pretty much held him in check uh, after that. Big weekend uh, in college basketball, Kendrick. Uh, you have, I mean, three you know, maybe the biggest weekend, you know, outside of the, the tournament season where you have Houston at Kansas, you've got Duke at North Carolina, and then you have Tennessee at Kentucky. Of those three games, what are you looking forward to the most? And then what, what do you think we're going to find out about all these teams uh, Saturday night when the games are over? Well, for personal reasons, of course, I'm looking for the Tennessee-Kentucky game. Right. Because, you know, this is where I cover. And honestly, <laughs> out of the three games, I think it has to – it has the most potential to look like an NBA game because they're going to get up and down the floor. Because mm. like Houston and Kansas, while Houston and Kansas are great teams, they are they kind of slow it down. It's not going to be oh, yeah. the up and down kind of game. It's going to be a very physical game. I kind of think Houston might go in there and win that game. I do too. And then Duke Carolina is just like, you know, it's going to be a good game, and you know the teams are good, but it just gets to be like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, I know. All the, we're gonna hear, we're gonna be inundated with how yep. great this rivalry is. Even uh. though neither one of them, <laughs> 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 North Carolina had that weird run a 
couple of years ago to the Final Four. But outside of that, neither one of them has really been in the championship run for a while. Right. But um, I, I do think it would be a good game. The game the, and the atmosphere is always great at those Always. Games. But, but I, I, like I said, Kentucky-Tennessee, I think, is going to have the most um, – up-tempo, fun game to watch because both teams are going to get up and down the floor and defense is going to be optional for both teams. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see Antonio Reeves versus Dalton uh, Dalton Connect. I think yeah. that's going to be because those right. are two two of the three guys leading the SEC Player of the Year uh, charge right now, both All-American candidates uh, and both can, can score you know 30-plus if, 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 if they're hot. <laughs> it's going right. to be a lot of fun to watch. And it seems like Reeves is hot often. <laughs> yes, it, I mean, he's been a lot this season. <laughs> almost every game, I think. I think Dalton connects averaging nineteen point eight points per game, and Reeves is like nineteen point five. So right. they're they're neck and neck. Uh, last one for you, Kendrick. Appreciate the time. Uh, what did you think about the uh, NFL? Playoffs championship Sunday. Uh, Lamar Jackson didn't do uh, himself any favors with the, even though I'm not blaming him totally. His receivers couldn't get open, and his team seemed like they made every single boneheaded play they can make in that right. game. But I mean, the, the Lamar detractors had a field day with that. I'm sure Kansas City uh, gets back to the Super Bowl again, and then you had where Detroit was in a commanding lead and just forgot how to play football in the third quarter. <laughs> right. Uh, I guess we'll start with Lamar. I mean, I felt bad for him because it's like you, you knew as soon as that clock hit zero, the haters were going to come out. Exactly, yeah. Especially yeah. when he threw that interception and the triple coverage. Oh. But, yeah, yeah, but Baltimore did every stupid thing you could do. But Kansas City did stupid stuff, too. They did. That, that one drive when Baltimore gave him 30 yards and penalties on stupid personal fouls, the Chiefs gave it 20 yards back on <laughs> 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 the plays on their own. And so it was one of those games where, you know, it was right there for Baltimore because in the second half, the Chiefs could do nothing offensively. They shut the Chiefs down offensively, but nobody's going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But, and, and, you know, to have two shots right there in the end zone where you would have won the game if you score right there, then the whole narrative is different. I mean, the whole game could have played out exactly like it did except they scored those two touchdowns, and the whole narrative is totally different. So it came basically came down to uh, two plays. Then with Detroit, I don't know. For some reason, even though they were up big, I was like, I still feel like San Francisco is going to win this game. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Did, oh, see, did you? I, I, still, I did not. I did not either. And he, I like San Francisco because I like I like their weapons. I like Brandon Ayuk. I like Devo Samuels, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, obviously. I mean, Brock Purdy doesn't have to be the best quarterback in the world. Oh. He's got to get those guys the football. But, you know, I, I, I thought Detroit had them. I thought they went in there. They punked them early. I thought San Francisco was going to fold. But, no, they found a way to get the – really, what really got them going was that that amazing Brandon Ayuk catch. That that's right. what really then then it was over after that. And and and, and shout out to Brock Purdy. I mean, he made plays yeah. with his legs. Made plays with his legs. Yeah, I, mean, I was like, that blew my up? mind. Yeah, because yeah, he was. I mean, it wasn't like he was lumbering like a Tom Brady <laughs> or Peyton Manning. I mean, he had some wheels on him. And yeah, so he made plays, and I was happy for him because I do think the criticism of him is just overboard for no reason. I agree with that. It's because he has an annoying face. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's it. I mean, you'd be a authority on it. Man, shots fired by Anna Tarullo. I didn't know she's a Brock Purdy hater. How about that? I'm a Brock Purdy hater. I just found this out today, Kendrick. You and I are learning something new together. (laughs) Can't help it. 
I've never seen her tweet anything bad about Ross Hardy. I kept that locked in. in. <laughs> She's been hiding that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but I was happy for him because I do think some of the criticism yeah. of him is just, I mean, they lost, what, three or four games this year, and he really only had one terrible game, and that was against Baltimore. Baltimore. And then they – but the games when they, when they had that three-game losing streak, I mean – it's a, yeah, it's like, well, see what happens when you take players away. Well, you take the best player off of any other team and they're going to look different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you take. That's kind of how this thing works. Yeah, you take Travis take Kelsey, Kelsey off. Away from Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, you take Travis Kelsey away from Mahomes. It's going to be a different story for Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kendrick, are you going to be at uh, Rupp Arena on Saturday for that big game? I will not. I will be off this weekend. Oh, good for you. I also get to watch it from the Kendrick Haskins compound. I like that. Very <laughs> nice. There and, uh, camp out on the couch and watch that whole triple header. Oh, yeah. All right, AD. Yeah, all right, one right after another. And then probably I'll end up staying up late and watching whatever NBA game is on, too, because that's just what I do. Yeah, or whatever late <laughs> Me that. Me, too. I, you know, I was thinking to myself uh, this Saturday night, I'm sitting there, I'm watching the late the late college game was Alabama-LSU. And it was it was a fine game. It was, But I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm Miss, I miss Pac-12 after dark right now. Like, the first Saturday, it was like 9.30, 10 o'clock, and I'm like, man, I want to watch some college football, man. I'm alone with my thoughts? Yeah. What is this? I, w- I want to watch BYU versus Utah. I want to watch, you know, I want to watch San Diego State versus San Jose State. I don't care. Something. Just give me something West Coast football. I get home from work early on Monday. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to bed at a halfway reasonable time for us. And then I'm, next thing I know, I'm sitting there watching the, the Nuggets uh, game. <laughs> yes. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I get it. All right, Kendrick, you have the Bucks and the Nuggets. I'm like, how can I go to sleep with that game? Exactly. There's going to be a lot of scoring <laughs> in that game. me to stay up. All right. Kendrick, have a great week. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy those games on your day off on Saturday. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you all next week. All right, Kendrick Haskins there, always great. Texter, Big Blue Haskins, shaking pom-poms for UK once again. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Texter, Mark Few is a proven winner but hasn't won national championship. He has a good balanced assemblage of players. Okay. A, a proven winner in what? In the conference? Okay. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the conference. Texter, I need a muscle muscle man got to get me a muscle man i think that's, that's a singing that lyrics? <laughs> i think that's lyrics for yeah that's lyrics for eric muscleman gotta get me a muscle that man good. that was beautiful song that? yeah poetry yeah. uh texture haskins that's a lie no way he misses a chance to kiss up to cal <laughs> he will be in attendance <laughs> What are you saying? Are you saying Kendrick kisses yeah, up to Cal? Yeah, he's Big Blue Haskins. This is Tox. I know who this is. Tox! Tox! We are on to you, Tox. Nice try. <laughs> Texter, Rick, have you talked about the Bring Brum Home guy being mm-hmm. uh, uh, John Ramsey? Being Oh, that's oh. the rumor. I don't think it is. I was going to say being delusional. I don't think it is Ram. I don't think it's Ramsey. I, I don't think it's Ramsey. I have heard that rumor. I have been asked. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. I yeah, Ram Jam. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Nope. <laughs> I was he loves to tell everybody that Muhammad Ali was his friend. It's his number one. If you ever sure. meet him, I you know I was friends with Muhammad Ali. I was friends with him. Awesome. Like, we got, I we, love that we got for it. you. And yes. I love that Thank for you. you. Texter, where was Muscleman before Arkansas? He Nevada. was at Nevada. Yeah, and he was good at Nevada. He was. Hey, those, what were the, name of those tw- who were the name of those twins they that had he had? They had twins, yeah. God, I don't know. They were I don't good. I mean, they, they, were good. they were both really, yeah. really good. They got drafted in the NBA. Texter, UofL basketball stuck in the same Groundhog Day loop for nine years. <laughs> Hope they make it 10. Enjoy the suck, LOL. 
Dexter. Anna and Justin need to fight. My money is on Anna a thousand yeah. percent. Whoa! Yeah. How about that? Yeah, boy. Man, zero equals the number of South Carolina games either of you have watched. Mind your own house. You're right. I haven't watched one. I mean, South Carolina played Kentucky. I watched that game. I was flipping back and watching them play Tennessee last night. But no, you're right. I've not watched any South Carolina basketball at all. You hack. Get out of here. How many have you watched? Yeah, how many South Carolina Texter. games have you watched? <laughs> there Te- you go, Texture. I just destroyed you. Again, Boom. I, look, I'm telling you, they hate they hate Lamont. Here, look, South Carolina's schedule is soft as hell. They got two good wins. You've been saying all year UT shouldn't be ranked so in the top ten. Now you're bowing down to UT. I'm not bowing down to UT. They are the number five. Look, they have two top ten ranked, one at home, one on the road. Again, beggars can't be choosers. You're beggars right now. Louisville fans, you are beggars. How dare you crap on Lamont Paris? Look in the mirror. Look who you have as your coach. Shut up. You are. This is what. This is why you're not going to get a good coach because of this type of attitude right here. This type is stuck up. De- Deion Walker's right. You're snobs. You're snobs. Deion Walker. De- Deion Walker. You're right. You're snobs. You've had a joke of a program for nine years now, and you're laughing at a guy that you you wish you had. You wish you had uh, South Carolina's record right UK? now. Okay, Lamont no. Paris can. No, I mean they, they, if they were eighteen and three right now and five and two, they'd be crowning Lamont Paris the king of the city. They, they, be, they kicked Jeff they Brown's be tail Coach K. down the road. They wouldn't be calling him Coach K. But since it's South Carolina, they, 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 you, you all, you all, you, they, they, they don't, they don't understand. They don't understand where the Martin twins, you're right. They, they don't, you don't understand where you are. And to, to stick your nose up at a coach that has two top 10 wins, 18 and three, five and two in his conference, and you're snubbing him, wake up to reality. Wake up. Drink some coffee and wake the hell up. What is wrong with you? Stand up. <sighs> Come on. Gosh. Let it out. I man. just don't understand it. Like if I if my team stunk like this bad, like six wins, and you get clowned by that crap Clemson team. And I'm watching Lamont Paris. I'd be like, man, I'd rather have that guy. Like I'll take that guy right now. But no, he's not good enough, Anna. He's not good enough. Eighteen and three with two top ten wins. Is it? It's not good enough. It's not good enough. What are you doing? They're br- they're blinded by the brand names or something. Jeez, something's going on. Y'all acting it's like I mean, you're, acting, you're literally like a worse version of Notre Dame football. Like we're we're still we're still a national powerhouse. No, you're not. You aren't. Like you get beat by Louisville. You're not a national powerhouse. Stop it. It's, it's like it's like Nebraska football. We're still great. No, you're not. Stop it. Like stop. You were a brief shining light. Jeez. Man. I mean, Lamont Paris, how dare you? How dare you say Lamont Paris? We should look at him. I'm not saying you should go into hire right now, but he should be a candidate for sure. If I, Again, if I was in your shoes, I would think he's a good coach. Be like, yeah, man, let's go. I'm all hot and bothered. Right now, I need some air conditioning. BJ Heating and Cooling <laughs> can help me with that because they have the best HVAC system and workers, then get out to your house today. They're a factory-authorized Bryant dealer. They have that Bryant Lux equipment, and they do whatever it takes to make those comfortable room, uncomfortable rooms enjoyable again. Those Bryant mini-splits, they are quite efficient and avoid all the insulation of all that buck, bulky duck work. I know you don't like it. Neither do I. Those Bryant mini-splits, they control the room. If it's too hot, too cold, you have trouble keeping it at a good temperature, those will help. Give them a call today. Schedule your free estimate. Get 0% financing for three years with approved credit. BJ Heating and Cooling are locally and family-owned. Celebrating 40 years of servicing Kentucky, Anna called the experts that you can trust, that I trust. I've had them replace an entire AC unit. BJ Heating and Cooling, BJHeatCool.com. 
Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Claim to be Kenny Payne supporter. What? What are their reasons? What? I don't know. Welcome back to the Roundtable with Round Daddy. Now here's Round Daddy, James Strebel. Rude. (laughs) We are the flagship. 93.9 is the flagship station for the Cards. And they are back in action Saturday at 8 p.m. as they host Florida. Our Alex White Network coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. After the broadcast, tune in to the Coors Light postgame show. Now, James, there's not a name on here. Is that an Ethan Moore or Taylor Lynch joint? Yeah, we don't know yet, but I'm okay. guessing it's Taylor. Okay, I'm going to assume it's Taylor, too. He usually does a Saturday game, so I'm going to... They okay. usually alternate it anyway, so... They do. All right, let's go ahead and do it. Let's, let's kick <laughs> off the, the sound. Let's go. I need this right now. Conspiracies. Extraterrestrials. The occult. Gather around the lunch Whoa. table, children. Don't try to get it. It's been a wild day. He won't let you leave. It's Weird Wednesday with Mr. Striebel. It ha- it has been a weird Wednesday, and okay, so there's okay, there's three things I want to do with this Weird Wednesday. Okay. There's there's two sounds I want to play. Okay, okay, and then the sounds I want to talk about John D because I I am going down a John D rabbit hole. He sounds like Patrick Mahomes, and I don't know if I'm ever going to come back. Okay, that's that's like how seriously into this guy I am. Save that, Justin. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to half the podcast with, with Isaac. Okay, which one? The Enoch the, the one? The new one you sent me. The, new, the John no, D I one. I listened to all of Enoch and then okay. I listened to half of John D. Okay, good. And so he sounds like Patrick Mahomes. Okay, so yeah. Oh, I'm really? here. I'm oh, here. The guy that. Oh, the. Uh, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. not making fun of him. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I am here. I am here. I'm here. I'm here. It is weird. <laughs> Good, you like someone else. I am here. Do the Pledge of Allegiance like that. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Omaha. 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 <laughs> what, are you okay? What, no. what happened to your I'm just throat? getting really into it. Hey. Blue 42. I'm here. Brittany, I'm, I am here. Brittany. Okay. <laughs> Jackson, stop. I don't even realize the mixtape material. I know. All right, let's go ahead. Uh, the first one I want to play is... What happened to your throat? I was getting into stop. it. <laughs> I'm quitting today, right now. Phil Baker, HR, get in here. Phil, help. HR, Phil. human resources, Phil. All right, uh, this is... This comes from Representative God bless Representative Tim Burchett. Okay, he is he has been one of the big time proponents of disclosure and UFO disclosure, and uh, he was on a UFO podcast. And and look, he's again he's a representative. He's from Tennessee, um, and he's been talking about how disclosure is going to happen. Here he is on the timeline of those things. Okay, go ahead, James. The eminent domain part, uh, I think, is what would really cause an issue 
with people, uh, private you know, companies with uh, lots of funds behind them. They don't want to lose that. I think some things that are going to leak out are, are locations or where information or, or some of this material or objects are. And I'll, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Okay, so he's, he's... What does he mean by imminent domain? Is that when things are declassified? Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay. And these, is there a time frame on when they well, have to Well, that's what be? the imminent domain is, is the time frame. Okay. And, wh- and what is it for... Because I know for like copyright, it's 100 years. What yes. is it for like classified documents? <sighs> that's a great question because I, I think it depends on what like the... the the level of the classification, like they, like they, they, they said they've like continued to try to declassify the JFK files. Yeah, and, and they keep saying, okay, it's coming, it's going to happen. Yeah, and the eminent domain is up or whatever, and they're going to do it. They never do it fully or totally. Do you want to know a crazy fun fact about JFK? Yes, my dad's like coworker client. Um, his father was doing his residency in Dallas when JFK came in. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So, so he's he was like there in when the he documents through? and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, Your dad's like, friend is in the documents. No, his dad's friend's his father. His dad's friend's father's in the documents yeah. from the. Oh, like, wow. Interviewed him, CIA, everything, whatever. Oh, wow. Well, the, CIA the, was the like, entire what do you time, think we did? Yeah, the entire time the CIA is going, we really know did the answer here. We did? Yeah, you see what we did? You see what we did here? <laughs> All right, the second one is from George Knapp. Now, George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell are like partners in crime. When it comes to UAP stuff, okay. there he's one of the ones that helped release that jellyfish video that we've looked okay. at. Yeah. He's done a ton of breaking stories. He's the one that Bob Lazar came to okay. back in the late '80s and kind of told him. And he was the one that broke that story. He's a, he's he's a journalist. So okay. he worked for a he's he did like Crime Stopper type stuff for the News Network, and then okay. the the Bob Lazar stuff kind of sent him on a different track. So here he is talking about um, um, crash retrievals and UFO crashes uh, themselves. And this was on this was on a news network. So this was actually on television, network TV, I believe. Let me see. Let me get up here. Yeah, this is from uh, George Knapp, and there's a full YouTube clip. Uh, But yeah, go ahead. This is like uh, Channel 8 here. Go ahead, James. Back in late July, a career intelligence officer testified to a congressional committee about a sensational cover-up. The witness claimed to have evidence of UFO crashes and of programs designed to exploit that technology. Stories about crashed saucers and cover-ups have been around since the end of World War II, but are now being taken seriously. In Washington, 8 News Now Chief Investigative Reporter George Knapp reviews now the origins of these claims. When former intelligence officer David Grush testified last July about non human craft hidden away for decades inside special access programs, it caught some members of Congress and major media off guard. But the lore of crash saucers and dead aliens is hardly new. The claims have leaked out many times in the past 76 years. If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. This happened on July 8th, 1947. The granddaddy of crash saucer tales is Roswell. The story didn't emanate with UFO nuts. It came from the U.S. military. In 1947, Roswell was home to the world's only atomic bomber wing. That summer, a long stretch of strange debris was discovered on a ranch outside of town. The U.S. Army Air Force issued a news release that made headlines. The Army had recovered a crashed disc. 24 hours later, the Army retracted its claim and said it was merely a weather balloon. Mangled bits of flimsy debris were shown to reporters. But 42 years ago, this is where it all began. In 1989, our first visit to Roswell, we found the retired Army officer who wrote both releases. He called and said words to this effect. We've got 
pieces of what we think is a flying saucer. Walter Hott stuck to the official story until the day he died, but left a sworn posthumous statement admitting he'd been ordered to lie, that the recovered craft had been of alien origin, and that small bodies of the pilots had also been recovered by the Army. The story has been backed up by dozens of other witnesses. The U.S. military has changed tunes multiple times in the decades since, later saying the object recovered wasn't a mere weather balloon, but a highly classified spy balloon, and the bodies were mannequins dropped years later. The Air Force declared the case closed in the 1990s, but it hasn't gone away. Roswell wasn't the earliest crash tale. Famed astrophysicist Dr. Jacques Vallée, who worked as a consultant to the Air Force Project Blue Book, told us in 2021 that the very first atomic blast, the Trinity test, caused the crash of a five-ton avocado-shaped spacecraft. It didn't blow up into pieces the way an airplane would have. It was apparently very strong. The tower was bent, but the object kept going. It came to the ground, and it plowed an avenue all the way down the hill. They made a turn, apparently under power, and stopped against a, a, a bump in the, the, the terrain. The kids saw that. Um, now, remember, this was 1945, August 1945, two years before Roswell. There was no concept of flying saucers. Intelligence officer David Grush told Congress there might have been an even earlier crash in Mussolini-era Italy. The strange materials recovered were reportedly stashed inside the Vatican. Nevada's connection to alleged UFO crash retrievals was merely whispered for decades until the late 80s when a former government scientist unleashed explosive allegations about a string of secret hangars built into the side of a mountain near the mysterious Area 51 Base. Well, there's several, uh, actually nine uh, flying saucers, flying discs. The identity of the witness was later revealed in our reports. Bob Lazar's claims remain controversial to this day, but the allegations are now permanently etched into the minds of the public. George Knapp, 8 News Now. All right, now I'm going to connect all this stuff to John D. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Buckle up. Let's do it. All right, so <clears throat> three things that I want you to focus on. Okay. Number one, okay, Mussolini. That Italy. blew my mind. Okay. Okay. Then think number two. Okay. The crash. The crash happened at the nu- with the nuclear bomb. Okay. Number three. 1947 Roswell. Uh huh. All right. So I talked about this guy John D. So here's who John D. was. John D. He lived from uh, 1608 to. Or actually, I'm sorry. He uh, was born 1527. Yeah. He died in 1608 or 1609. He okay. was in on the court of Queen Elizabeth the first, the mm-hmm. daughter of Henry the eighth. Yeah. Okay. He was a mathematician, astronomer, astrologer teacher occultist and alchemist mm-hmm. so he, he he was very into this entire you know trying to contact other entities mm-hmm. via magic yeah okay so he had another guy that he worked with by the name of edward kelly and he was mm-hmm. an even bigger occultist than john d was and so i've been talking about the book of enoch so enoch was noah's great great grandfather and he was uplifted to heaven by god he mm-hmm. he was there when all of the stuff happened with the watchers and the nephilim and everything okay so there's a book and it's called John D. The Empire of Angels, Enochian Magic, and the Occult Roots of the Modern World. Mm-hmm. Okay, my, our, our world. Okay, mm-hmm. so this all starts with John D. So he and Edward Kelly, during the time of Queen Elizabeth, they were scrying, which is they look into this black mirror type, like our cell phone. 
like her cell phone, okay. a black mirror, and they would use this Enochian language, which is supposedly the, the language of the angels. And these angels, allegedly angels, okay, were telling them of all these world events that were going to happen in the future, and it was very well documented, okay? Okay. Eventually, it got so bad, it kind of drove John Dee a little crazy. He ended up getting dismissed from Queen Elizabeth's court, Ooh. and he ended up dying uh, poor, Okay. Okay. But he passed along this Enochian language all through, you know, then it got passed down. Was Nostradamus a part of that at all? He was not. No, no. This is is not Nostradamus. Different thing. Okay. Yeah. So John Dee was this big time occultist. I'm going to read this book. It's on the way. I'm going to, there's more about John Dee, but I just want you to follow the trail of John Dee to where we're going here. Okay. Okay. So a studier of John Dee was a man by the name of Aleister Crowley, and he was an English aristocrat that got very into this stuff, and he was part of multiple um, occultists. Cult, uh, secret societies. Uh, f- uh, he practiced religion called Philema. Uh, he's part of the Golden Dawn, um, and he used John Dee's Enochian language to also contact contact um, these beings. Extraterrestrial. Extraterrestri- well, th- uh, they call themselves angels, and that's the thing that, that, that the sticking point here. Okay. What is what does the evil do? What does the devil do? The devil deceives. disguises evil himself. De- exactly disguises himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with this language, he's, he's tapping into these entities. Yeah. 1933. Just talked about Mussolini. Right in, in, in a UFO crash, Alistair Crowley was in Italy doing these works, doing these Enochian language spells and these works. In 1933, Mussolini expelled him from Italy, kicked him out of Italy when he found out what he's doing. The UFO crash happened the same time frame in 1933. I did not know that until yes. today yes. when I listened to a podcast. Yeah, yeah, the exact boom. Mussolini kicks him out of Italy because of all the magic that he was doing. This UFO crash happens then. You fast forward to 1945. Okay, atomic weapons. So this entire the Trinity site. So have you seen the movie Oppenheimer or know the Oppenheimer story? I know of it. Okay, so you know of I haven't it. Haven't so, seen the movie, yeah, but I know what it yeah, is. The Manhattan Project, right? Right. right the right. Trinity sites where they started to to do these tests, okay. nuclear. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the the worry about the nuclear site, the nuclear tests were they didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. One of the things they were worried about is you blow up the entire world. Like, we don't know. Like, the first time they dropped this nuclear bomb, they didn't know it was going to happen. And so, what if when they dropped the nuclear bomb, opens something else up? A portal. Because I mean, you, yeah, well, maybe a portal, right? Because yeah. you're you're dealing with you're dealing with the essence of the universe, the atoms, right? The smallest, the, like everything in the universe is made up of these atoms. Oh, and that's when you're insane, exactly. Fast forward to 1947. Okay, Roswell. That's when we talked about him last week, the week before. That's when Jack Parsons was doing his Babylon working with in the, L. Ron, in the desert with L. Ron Hubbard in in New Mexico, and they were also using the blueprint set forth by John D. in the 1500s, tapping into this Enochian language. trying to tap into these beings and all these beings are always telling these like these the like this is what's going to happen it's okay we're we're good here we're your guardian angels when 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 alistair crowley was doing it he was like oh yeah i'm talking to my guardian angel awas that's what he said the guardian angel he talked to was awas and then he was also the one that talked to the first gray alien lamb and he draws a picture of him and all these things that that, that, see these things anna these are the things that keep turning my attention away from space Uh to this 
this type of interdimensional. stuff. Interdimensional. Interdimensional, and then maybe it's not, it's not, again, altruistic. So you have this entire history of, and I'm going to read this book, and I'll give all updates as I'm going through it. It's like uh-huh. 327 pages or whatever. It's a long book, but but John Dee's a very interesting character, and I, I'm interested to find out, okay, how did he find this stuff? Where did he where did he locate it? What exactly were he and Edward Kelly trying to do? Like, these, these quote, angels were telling him to do, like, crazy stuff, like swap wives, and yeah, they like exactly what oh what kind God. of what kind of like good being would tell you to do, to that? do that it's it i'm telling you it's all deception there's there's deceiving and it's changed our world from then to now Is it, isn't it a lot of it too like vanity and there, there's sure. so many things that if you look at instagram today i know isaac was talking about that in one of his podcasts yeah um it's just reminiscent of things that we see today. Do we know the reason why the Book of Enoch was not in the Bible? Why it was not included? Uh, it was so it's not. Or the Ark of not, it, it, it's it's an apocrypha. Canonical. Yeah, it's, it's not canonical. canonical. It's apocrypha. Yeah. yeah. So there are a lot of books in the Bible that that aren't included in the Bible that are considered apocrypha. Okay. And when the church. So they didn't find the book of Enoch. They, they like it was it was a part of the consciousness. Okay. Like they knew about like it. Oral, they didn't history. Have, exa- oral history, exactly. Yeah. They didn't actually like have it, but it was yeah. part of more of a, of like Jewish history. Okay, because you know, it was a book that, that that was it was part of a Jewish tradition, kind of like Old Testament. Old Testament. Okay, yeah. so when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls and yes. the book of Enoch was included in it, it, from what I understand, it was the first like hard copy they had of it. And it was so the Bible had already been produced at this point. And when the Catholic Church was the church that put the Bible together, mm-hmm. they wanted the books in there to coincide with what the message that they wanted to get out there about the New Testament and everything. Sketchy. Exactly. And so there's like the book of Thomas. There's the book of Jesus. There's the book of Mary. Yeah. There's the book of Mary Magdalene. There's a lot of apocrypha books. Wow. That, that oh, oh yeah, there's there's a book of Enoch is one of them. There's there's a book of Jubilees. That's part of a part of a Jewish tradition as well. Okay. Where, where again, these books were said, okay, it doesn't fit the storyline that we're trying to create here uh-huh. and push out as like a mainstream type idea mainstream media yeah well yeah well i mean it's, it's kind of one of those things like okay who controls the message uh-huh. how where does the message go back to who who's choosing the message who's choosing the the message they want to send out so the, 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 it's interesting that george knapp talked about the vatican there because another person that we talk about a lot on here diana pasolka right who has you know she she wrote the books encounters american cosmic she had a now, does, she has a past to get into the like the Vatican archives, and she's been in there, and she's talked about some of the things that she's seen and she's read. There's a Vatican observatory. A lot of people don't understand, like, don't know that that they like there are physicists that are monks, and they're like they're monks and they work for the Catholic Church. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have an, they have an observatory, like one of the best observatories in the world. In the world is in Vatican in the Vatican. And they're looking at all this stuff all the time. They have like original Galileos. They have original. Um, uh, oh, oh shoot! Like Kepler. Uh, they have they have original like documentation from, from 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 all these scientists. Yeah, and it's kept there. I feel like it's just an archive of so much world history. And that's the thing is, is like there. Is it, oh yeah, it's and, beyond just like the church or going to. Oh church. no, there no. It's beyond all of it. They because mm-hmm. I mean because at the time. 
uh, the Catholic Church. All the money was, was poured well, into it. Not, not only that, they they were the educated, like the Catholic Church yeah. was the educated people. They could read and they could write and they were doing yep. the investigations. And so that's a reason why they have all that stuff because they were the kind of like the the uh, academics well, of the time, think the professors about how of the time. The Catholic Church opened hospitals, it opened schools, it controlled yeah. so much of our infrastructure. Healthcare, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah they were on they were on uh, royal like royal courts. Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason why. Uh, Henry VIII broke away from the Catholic Church was because he wanted to divorce his wife because she couldn't produce a son. Yeah. So he was like, well, okay, I don't want her anymore. I'm going to get another wife. Another yeah. wife. That's why, you know, Thomas, St. Thomas More stood up and was like, hey, you can't do that. Can't do he that. broke away from the Catholic Church and the beheaded Catholic Church and the beheaded Thomas More mm-hmm. because he told him not to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> so they have a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it, 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 it would, would scare be- me to see all that they have. It'd be very intimidating. Yeah, to be in to be in that archive mm-hmm. and to see what they have. And there's stuff that's, I mean, there, there's a secret archive like that. Like like there's there, there's stuff there that they have hidden. Oh yeah, that they know so much about our history as a planet. We've talked about this before. We think the U.S. government has secrets. Imagine the Vatican. Oh, the Vatican Just has imagine secrets on secrets on the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, all the ancient Going back documentation. Centuries. Oh yeah. They go back to the, the time of Jesus before the time of Jesus. I mean, it goes deep, deep. That's so scary. And if there's stuff there from that that crash in Italy in 1933, I never knew. Tell me more about that. I never knew about that crash. Well, it was it was pre obviously it's pre World War Two. Yeah, right. It's pre World War Two. So again, Al, Alistair Crowley was there. He was doing some weird stuff. There was apparently a UFO crash and Mussolini. He had it covered up, right? And at the time, Mussolini and the Catholic Church were still on good terms. It ended up, you know, dissipating obviously as World War Two started, mm-hmm. but. You know, they worked in conjunction to get rid of it and they had to put it somewhere. And there's this idea that whatever this is, you know, whatever, whatever this is, this is part of not only church knowledge, but like his like deep historical mm-hmm. knowledge, like human Dig- knowledge. Hu- yeah. Hu- it's part of our, our human story. It's just so odd to me when we talk about, you know, guardian angels and how they could be disguises or even, you know, are they what we think of as aliens? Like. I think there is some sort of relation. If you look at like artwork of like what a like guardian angel is and all the artwork, I mean, they're all floating above you. It's all like celestial beings. Like, yeah. That has to mean something. It's never beneath you. It's all up in the sky. When right. you pray, you look to the sky. Even like Mayans and stuff. Yes. Always we all, we're planet. always looking up to the stars. There's a natural human instinct to do that. What yeah. is that? I, I it's a great Even question. when you pray, you're like God's up in heaven. Right. It's not down here with us in heaven. Well, the, down below. You know what I mean? Well, like, you, there's a connection there. Well, even the ideas of of like Hinduism and Buddhism, like you level up. You never level yes. down. You like you. How true is that? And yeah. then hell, you think about it's the exactly. circles. You go down. Exactly. I know that's like, Dante. It's different. You're, you're always Dante trying Deferno. to ascend to a higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. Ascend to higher. higher. It's uh, everything's up. In every in every like mainstream religion, not even never, monotheism. We never think about these beings who, if you believe that they come to us from different planets, that they are less intelligent or less developed than They're we are. They're always more advanced than They're we are. They're always more advanced. They're, that's a great point. For They're them to come down to our down level. Down to our level. Is yeah, it just that's symbolism? That's a great point. It's down to... Or down, is it true? They come down to us. But like any painting, like there's a famous painting of like two children walking and their guardian angel is behind them. Yeah. She's above. I mean, like she's levitating above Watching you, over. A higher consciousness yes and I, th- I think there's something to it and i like i like that point you made with the down to our level yeah like we're we're maybe like in the middle we never have anything to teach them and we have we have they always have more knowledge than we do yeah in unless our 
conjectures of what. Well, they are. exactly, and, and, you, and you think too, like, okay, so are we okay? We're are, okay if we're in the middle, and we have free will, and we have you know control of who we are and what we can do, mm-hmm. and that you know we have a choice to level down or level up. Yep. And what are we going to choose to do to hire the high? Yeah, go. There you mm-hmm. go. Choose the high road. Mm-hmm. All of this connects. Mm, I'm you like that? You, you like that? It's just that? common themes. Yes, it's a common. Yeah, common common themes. They're all interwoven common themes really in everything. a robot. Yes. So we went from wow. This is yes. All right, a lot of text coming in. Texter Big Rig at four fifty seven. This goes deep, deep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> took this photo. To this photo of. Little oh little alien yeah Rachel Nevada last September so there's this restaurant uh, called the Little Alien it's outside of Area 51 oh yeah it's the Little Alien that's awesome yes oh very very cool absolutely texture round daddy phone home thank you how interesting though like in a place like that it's always like places where you have like an untouched like view of the sky where we see all this so not like a mountainous region like no I guess it's in New Mexico wherever it is Nevada Nevada yeah. Like, that's where you see, I don't know, it's just where you have a clear view of the sky. That's just crazy to me. Yeah, no, it, no Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona. Those type of regions. Those, yeah, it's a, but the mountains have weird stories, too. Oh, oh. You know that. I lived in West Virginia. Yeah. The mysticism and weirdness that's there. Yes. Don't get in me In the Appalachian going. Mountains. Very, oh, I feel yeah. like Louisiana and, like, West Virginia, because Louisiana, you kind of have a swamp, you have all this kind right. of different things, that things aren't clear. Yeah, I, I read, I, God, I can't remember where I read this, but I read this the other day. During the Ice Age, mm-hmm. like the Appalachian like mountain area was one of the few places on the East Coast that still had vegetation and life. Ah! And they have they have like the most variety of trees like in the United States, like the species and varieties of trees are out there in the Appalachian Range. And, and that it's like it, it remained like untouched. You and there's like some it. weirdness. There. There's like an ancient like vibe you get there. I'm not trying to sound like. Woo. No, you're not. No. Well, if you're going to sound like that, this is the place to sound like that. Right here, right now. I'm not yeah. trying to be too woo woo, but like you feel it. There's something different there. Yeah. Like an ancient like it feels mystic. There's a mysticism. There. Oh, yeah. There's there's stuff there. There's mounds and stuff. Uh, a couple more te- texture. I'm Domains, government ability to take your land for public. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Very good. Thank you, Texture, for, for clearing that up. That is eminent domain. They can take your land for public use whenever they want. Texture, uh, meet with the owner inside the little alien. Oh, her deceased awesome. husband was from Western Kentucky. There you that go. is so cool. Very, very cool. cool. I like that. Very, that's awesome. I, good job, text line. I love this. I like when the text line like sends us like little weird stuff that they've experienced in their lives. Uh, texter, uh, Council of Dose, Laodicea 336 AD decided the current books of the New Testament. Yes, uh, that, uh, count, uh, that, that's, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. All right. Let's take a break. Very good Weird Wednesday. Good text coming through there. Appreciate that. Thank you for the clarification on eminent domain. Very much appreciate that as well. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a break. We're going to talk about Kentucky versus Florida tonight. Uh, people uh, have your te- your takes are trash. They're mad about the the Paris. Well, it's about the uh, the Paris, uh, the, the Lamont, Lamont Paris stuff. The show stinks today. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Texture Paris fine coach way down the list of candidates. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other end, we're talking Kentucky, Florida, and more here on the Roundtable ESPN 680.